Hey ladies, welcome back to the show. I'm so happy to have you here today and we are going to revisit a topic that we haven't talked about since I first started this podcast back in 2020. Very early on, I did an episode about alcohol use in women and this year, um, new recommendations came out about this topic and so I thought that it was important to revisit it. I don't know about you, but I've had a very complex relationship with alcohol, and so maybe you have too. I didn't grow up in a household where alcohol was present. I was very lucky in that regard, but I certainly had people in my life that had parents that struggled with struggled with alcohol abuse, but I didn't know it intimately at that time in my life. And, you know, I would drink when I was in high school, I started drinking. And then when I went into college, I pledged a sorority. And back at that time in the late 90s, um, drinking was heavily associated with the sorority that I was part of. And so I would drink when I was in college. After college, my, you know, it kind of like slowed down. I didn't really drink. And then after I graduated grad school, I moved on my own and I lived in this area where everyone was my age and probably people, more people were, people weren't really married yet. This was like probably my early thirties. Um, people weren't married and people didn't have kids or even if my friends were married, they didn't have kids so they were able to socialize. And so much of my social life was like working and then going out with friends afterwards. And I lived in a neighborhood that kind of everyone was doing the same thing. It was an urban neighborhood, so nobody had to drive. And there were like all these shops and restaurants. And so that became like something that I would do pretty frequently. Um, I met my then husband. He worked he owned a restaurant. And so it just kind of was like that culture of my life. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't really, I I don't really, I think I had these like little periods where I would be like, all right, is this a problem? Because it felt like I was doing it more often than I had previously. It wasn't just the weekends. It would be like some nights during the week. And I remember like searching online to see like, all right, how many drinks is considered too many? When is like drinking a problem? And I would be like every couple, you know, times I would drink, I remember Googling that. So I don't know if you've ever done that too, like where you find yourself like searching, like, is is this something that I really need to think about? So the turning point for me was when my then husband entered rehab for alcohol abuse. And it kind of just made me made me start to rethink how I thought about alcohol and it didn't seem to be harmless. And instead of like just being something really fun that I did, sometimes it felt like it was a little bit more destructive and the consequences were much more devastating at that point. And so it made me revisit my relationship with alcohol and try to figure out how to create more balance and, and how to moderate alcohol in my own life. So I would go to, I went to a few Al-Anon meetings, but then I got pregnant and with pregnancy alone, like, you know, you're not drinking alcohol. Right. And so then my life changed so drastically after that, that 
I didn't, I wasn't really using alcohol anymore, you know, because when you're pregnant, you're not drinking. And then afterwards it wouldn't, you know, it was not anything like it had been previously. And then I think it became more, obviously I'm dealing with some of the consequences of, of rehab, right. Of my husband going into rehab. But then also I think that it, it's when you have a kid whose parent is an alcoholic, it really starts to make you think about like what, for me anyway, like what was I going to expose him to? And because all of the studies out there talk about children of alcoholics, and if you've ever gone to an Al-Anon meeting, there is a topic about that. And the research suggests that if you are a child of an alcoholic, you are four times more likely to have trouble with alcohol than people without such a family history. And so I wanted to explore this topic about alcohol. And, you know, I think when I was drinking alcohol more frequently, I always thought of like the health benefit of it. And I would be like, all right, well, there isn't a health benefit of of drinking. And so I wanted to explore if that was true. And then when these new numbers came out about, or the new research came out early 2023 about alcohol, I felt like it was kind of worth talking about again. Before we start really talking about what those statistics look like, I wanted to also really talk about the alcohol, what alcohol behaviors look like in the U.S. And I got some research on the CDC, which basically says that 46% of of adult women report drinking alcohol in the last 30 days. And that approximately 12% of adult women report binge drinking three times a month. So binge drinking is considered like drinking five drinks per binge. So if you have a night out and you're drinking, that five drinks is considered that you had a binge. And that 90% of people who binge drink are not alcoholics or alcohol dependent. And so why did I think this topic was important? Well, there was always this idea that alcohol was beneficial, especially when you talk about red wine. I think that's where we get it from that, um, the Mediterranean diet includes red wine and red wine is lauded for its health benefits. But it seems that there, it, that was only based off of one drink anyway, and excessive intake has been shown to cause harm and no longer is seen to provide that same benefit. So early in 2023, the World Health Organization published a statement in The Lancet that talked about and stated that no level of alcohol consumption is safe for our health. That why this statement became important was that alcohol was shown to cause at least seven types of cancer including the most common types, which were female breast cancer and bowel cancer. And what what some of the meaning behind their statement was, is that alcohol causes cancer through biological mechanisms as the compound breaks down in the body, which means that any beverage containing alcohol, regardless of its price and quality poses a risk of developing cancer. So all of this information is on the World Health Organization, and I will attach many, many links in the show notes. And so what they found is, is that previously, 
it was considered that maybe there was a cancer risk when there was excessive alcohol intake. And what changed is, is that they felt like based on the literature that based on the latest data that some of those alcohol attributable attributable cancers that were in the WHO European registry were caused by light and moderate alcohol consumption rather than just this excessive alcohol consumption. So what the light and alcohol, what the light and moderate alcohol consumption for the WHO um, was determined to be would be if you're drinking wine, it was less than. So the goal is to have less than these. And people um, that were shown to have some kind of attributable cancer that they thought was related to alcohol was consuming less than 1.5 liters of wine a week. So that's 10 glasses per week, less than 3.5 liters of beer or less than 10 beers per week and less than 450 milliliters of spirits per week. So about 10, um, 10 spirits per week or less. What is considered serving size with anything when we talk about alcohol, it's kind of, I guess, important to know because if we're going to talk about these recommendations, was that a serving size for beer or cider, a 5% beer or cider is 12 ounces or 341 milliliters. Malt liquor is 8 ounces um, of a 7% malt liquor. Wine is five ounces. So I know that for women that like to drink wine is, you know, I know how that five ounces can get much bigger. So it's five ounces or 142 milliliters of 12% wine and 1.5 ounces or 43 milliliters of distilled spirits of any kind of liquor like vodka or rum. Now, after the, after who issued that, Canada also listed and redefined their guidance on alcohol and health. And basically, they broke it down even further. So that's also going to be in in the show notes that Canada has a guidance on alcohol and health. And there's a final report. And basically what they're saying in terms of like risk in general, um, health related risk is that zero drinks per week of any alcohol is no risk. So you have no risk of alcohol on your health. If you drank one to two drinks per week, there was a low risk that alcohol impacted your health. If you drank three to six drinks per week, you had a moderate risk on your health. And seven or more drinks per week was an increasingly high risk to your health. So what the risk was that they saw was a risk of, of alcohol-related consequences and also a risk of heart disease and stroke. So it made me want to like basically dig back into what our recommendations are in the States. So previously, there was a 2015 to 2020 U.S. dietary guideline that recommend that we want it or that, that women should drink alcohol in moderation. Moderate drinking was defined at that time as one drink per day for women and two drinks per day for men. Heavy drinking was considered eight drinks or more per week for women 
and binge drinking was considered four or more drinks on a single occasion within two hours for women. So you can see that all the recommendations are different depending on which country and each organization has their own, um, has like their own guidelines. I think most countries had generally seen or had kind of generally said previously that one drink a day for women was acceptable, two drinks a day for men was acceptable, and that there may have been um, like kind of like a benefit in doing that. And so now, as you can see, these guidelines are less than that. So um, European countries are basically saying don't consume any alcohol. In Canada, same thing, that no alcohol is really considered to be the better standard. And then in and so all those recommendations came out in 2023. So for for the US, you know, they didn't issue a statement in 2023. What they basically did was that in 2022, they redefined their website and said that there was emerging evidence that suggests that even drinking within the recommended limits, so that's one for women, two per two for men per day, even drinking within that limit may increase the overall risk of death from various causes, such as several types of cancer and some form of cardiovascular disease. Alcohol has been found to increase risk for cancer and that risk increases even at low levels of consumption, less than one drink per day. They also go on to say, this is all like on the CDC website, that although past studies have indicated that moderate alcohol consumption has protective health benefits, so that's why we would always probably say in the past, like, hey, drinking is good for us because there was some there was some evidence that suggest, suggested at that time that it reduced your risk of heart disease. More recent studies show that this may not in fact be true. While some studies have found improved health outcomes among moderate drinkers, it's impossible to conclude whether these improved outcomes are due to moderate alcohol consumption or other differences in behaviors or genetics between people who drink moderately and people who don't. And so then again, now here's another um, another country saying, hey, try not to drink because you're, it can increase your risk for certain types of cancer, even at low levels of consumption. So I think it's important to understand the differences between alcohol metabolism in men and women to really, I guess, kind of break this down even further and why it may be something that... Um, can be harmful for women. So as we all know, alcohol is metabolized differently in women and men due to difference in body composition, right? So you may have, you may drink alcohol and then have a male friend that drinks alcohol and you could drink the same amount and you'll see a big difference in terms of impairment, right? For most people. And in general, that's because women's bodies are made up of less water than men. And so a lot of this has to do with like body composition of women and our chemical makeup and that we don't have as much water in our bodies as men do. Women have more fat, right? We have more fat in our bodies for childbearing purposes. 
And because we have more fat, we have less water. And men, on the other hand, I guess depending on their age, have more lean tissue. And having more lean tissue means that they also have more water consumption. So to break it down even further, this idea that the more water a person has in their body, the more freely the alcohol can move around and circulate. So because men have more lean body mass, they have more areas for the alcohol to go and move around and to circulate. But the more fat you have, which is women, right, means the alcohol gets confined in these spaces. And so it remains, so what happens is, is the alcohol remains in those spaces where the, where the fat is, right? And women are made of more genetically more um, fat. And so the alcohol gets kind of stuck in those places and then it's metabolized at a slower rate. So if a man and woman are drinking the same amount of alcohol, the women will absorb the alcohol much more quickly, will have a higher blood alcohol content, and the alcohol will, like the effect will occur quicker and last longer. The other part of this is that women also have fewer enzymes to help metabolize alcohol and break it down in the body. And so that's kind of the difference between men and women. So I think early on, some of the benefits that we use and why we would drink alcohol or why it was recommended was that there was this decrease in heart disease and that, you know, you could just have one drink per day and that that could decrease your risk of heart disease. But the harm was always seen that if you drank too much or like too much over the shorter long term, then, you know, there was probably something that was going to happen. You know, in the short term, you know, you're going to have like some kind of impairment, maybe, you know, an increase in risky behaviors, there's an increased association with depression. But in the long term, it was always seen that there was this risk of heart disease. Now what they're seeing I'm sorry, this risk of like heart disease and certain kind of cancers. But now it seems that the research is saying that even if you're having that one drink per day, um, that the long-term consequences are still there. So the consequences of heart disease, the consequences of alcoholics, um, alcoholic hepatitis or cirrhosis of the liver. Um, The cirrhosis of the liver is when you have that scar tissue and it's all over the liver and then the liver is unable to regenerate and form new cells and so then there's some liver damage we know that people who drink alcohol especially higher consumption um, can lead to pancreatitis but the there is a strong association which they're finding an even stronger association between an increased risk of cancers That can be head and neck cancers, esophageal cancer, liver cancer, breast cancer, and colorectal cancer. Um, And that people who drink a lot have an increased risk of getting sick because there's lower immunity. So all of these above consequences occur in both men and women. um, But of these, women are at an increased risk than men for heart disease, alcohol, breast cancer, and brain damage. And 
you know, there is studies that suggest that the risk of these consequences increase with more alcohol consumption. And even at very low levels of alcohol consumption, less than one drink, you can still have the same impact. So generally, you know, what we know about alcohol, and now that we understand that this idea of drinking probably isn't going to provide the same benefit. What can we do to decrease it? I think in general, and and you may have to revisit this in your own life, that there is like, depending on where you're at on your life, you know, if you're somebody who is in your 30s and you're single and you don't have any kids, and I was like that in some of my early 40s, that you know, alcohol is probably going to be a big social event for you. If you're a new mom and you're just trying to get by, alcohol is going to be something that maybe helps you and saves you sometimes, or that's how you perceive it. If you're an empty nester, maybe alcohol is something that is newer to you. And so I think that you have to kind of really figure out what you're comfortable with and your relationship with alcohol may have changed depending on where you are in your life at present. I mean, for me, I have a little kid and alcohol is kind of in the forefront of my brain. So I don't, I don't really drink a lot anymore because I can't, my life is too busy. And because I don't want to have my son have that exposure when he's at his dad's sure. I drink, I probably drink a couple of times a month, maybe twice a month, but that's really it in comparison to, you know, drinking most days that I previously have been doing. And so for you guys, I think it's like really just important to figure out how you want to address that. I mean, I think sometimes alcohol is, is touted as like being something as like so cool, but also, you know, I think that there is something to be said for like dry months that people have when they do like dry January and then they try to, um, you know, take it into different months. So some of the things that I could think about is like just trying to really think about alcohol and to have you like just kind of revisit your relationship with alcohol would be to consider if alcohol is something that you want to maybe not drink or do as much. I think for most people, it's hard to look at the long-term consequences of alcohol because it seems like something that like only happens to other people, but certainly some of the shorter term consequences of alcohol is probably what will impact you. So that's like, you know, like being at risk for not for, I think for our age, it's probably like if I drink well, then I can't drive. Or if I'm going to drink and drive, what does that look like for me? And then also thinking about like, you know, what your day is going to look like the next day. Um, if you have a million things that you have to do, how's that going to impact you as you get older? Certainly, at least I found that I can't drink as much and I don't feel that great the next day. Um, if I were to drink too much alcohol. And so that probably is something that may be impacting you too. But if you're interested in trying to slow down the amount of alcohol, or at least start to redefine how much you're taking in as alcohol, I would say first explore if you want to take a dry month, like doing a dry January, but maybe doing it in the in a different month, like maybe taking a month in the summer and being like, all right, I'm probably not going to drink that much, or maybe I'm going to try to do a dry month this month. Some other things to try to decrease the amount that you consume if you're consuming alcohol 
would be like, don't drink on an empty stomach. We know that drinking on an empty stomach is going to enhance that alcohol impact. So eating will help slow absorption of the alcohol. Maybe if you have a drink that you first drink an alcoholic drink, but then you either mix it with a non-alcoholic beverage or you drink a non-alcoholic beverage after that drink. So that would look like maybe alternating between an alcoholic drink and a non-alcoholic drink. So I know for myself, if I'm drinking, I don't really you know, I don't really feel like I need to as much anymore, although I do certainly drink. So if I'm drinking some wine, I will add some like carbonated water to it. And then it gives me that feeling of fullness, but I'm not really drinking the same quantity as maybe I had been previously. Also, you can alternate between alcohol. So you can drink an alcoholic drink and then have like a glass of water in between it. So it kind of slows down the rate so that you're not just kind of reaching for that drink, not thinking about it. It's kind of, you're reaching for a drink, but there's a non-alcoholic drink that is taking its place. Um, You could also start your first drink with a non-alcoholic beverage and then just kind of like, you know, kind of then have a drink, but it's in a way that it's slowing yourself down too. You could choose a spritzer. So that's also going to be lower calorie option, but it's also going to mix your drink with something else that isn't just pure alcohol. You could have or choose beverages that have a smaller amount or a lower alcohol content beverage. So instead of drinking a beer that's like a 12% alcohol, I don't even know if there's 12%, if it's like a 7 or 8% alcohol, maybe you could just kind of go back to like a 5% alcohol. Um, you could also do like have days off when you don't drink at all. And so I want you to kind of think about how much you like think about how you feel when you consume too much alcohol and how you feel when you cut down on drink on, on alcohol and on the days that you're not drinking as much do you have more energy do you sleep better do you have less anxiety do you have less depression do you feel like you have better control of your health choices better immunity recognize this because I suspect that most people like are going to see that like hey when I drink less I feel better and I'm able to do all the health goals that I want to do but it's just an important reinforcement to remind yourself like oh okay that there's a link there and just kind of like thinking about you know that with alcohol abuse we know that there's financial cost of alcohol abuse and studies have found that occasional binge drinking can affect families also and that research suggests that the risk of intimate partner violence rises not only in the context in the context of frequent drinking but also when a partner has consumed a large volume of drinks in one setting so it's not just prolonged drinking but it's these nights out that you're going maybe with your friends that you're doing these um, these being these what are considered binge drinking because you're drinking more drinks than you normally would at, at one time. As a reminder, who should avoid alcohol intake? Well, women who are pregnant, um, or if you're breastfeeding, you may want to talk to your healthcare provider about alcohol consumption. The concern generally is that you know, not drinking alcohol is the safest option for breastfeeding mothers. Um, 
but generally moderate alcohol consumption by a breastfeeding feeding mother, so up to one standard drink per day, is not known to be harmful to the infant, especially if the mother waits at least two hours after a single drink before nursing. Um, yeah, so I think it's like you just have to kind of figure out what's right for you. If you're, if you're um, a recovering alcoholic, you probably don't want to be drinking. And if you're going to be doing anything that requires skill coordination and alertness, such as driving a car, you probably also don't want to be having anything to drink. So note that if you're not somebody, so I think the other thing was, is like that people um, who didn't drink would drink to get like that health benefit or that perceived health benefit of decreasing your risk of heart disease. So the recommendation now is to not drink at all. Okay, so that is from most countries is that there's no benefit to drinking and that there might also be an increased risk of certain cancers related to drinking, even if it's a small amount. So that ends up being the conclusion of this whole episode. And so just this idea of rethinking your relationship with alcohol, if it's especially if it's something that has been of concern to you of late, um, you know, in conclusion, like having a few drinks with your friends while you're on vacation or just hanging out with your friends. I mean, that's probably not going to be as concerning unless you're doing it all of the time or unless, you know, it's leading to violence or something else. Um, but you know, just trying to figure out what your overall goal looks like when it comes to your relationship with alcohol and that it's not like that you have to completely give up alcohol, but just kind of really seeing what, and how alcohol impacts your life and knowing that the recommendations have changed and they're not as, you know, I, I think that they gave us a little bit more leadway in the past and that leadway isn't there anymore. That the more and more, I think the more and more studies that they have and the different cancers that they can associate with it and the different diseases that they can associate with it, I don't know that they'll ever change their mind in terms of like what recommendations are that alcohol would suddenly be like something that was beneficial. I don't think that's going to be there anymore. And so however that is for you, for you to revisit that relationship with alcohol and try to find a little bit more balance, that's what I'm kind of encouraging you to do, to just kind of rethink about it. And, you know, I know that that's going to be something that it's probably going to take some time and like with any health change you're doing, that thinking about what you want your eventual goal to be, because it's not about like being perfect when it comes to your alcohol use, it's about like being better. Um, before we end this episode, I also want to tell you that if you or a loved one are struggling with substance use or addiction or alcohol abuse, that there is a hotline that you can call in the U S to get information and support and find out about treatment areas in your own, um, in, in a location that's closest to you. And that number is 1-800-662-4357. I'm going to leave as much information in the show notes as I can possibly put in the show notes um, for resources for you to kind of look at and refer to if you have questions. I know sometimes that's something that, you know, we're talking about it. And so maybe it's going to ignite something in you and you want a, a little bit more information. I hope that you have a great week and thank you so much for listening. And don't forget that if you're interested in grabbing that freebie about your health, that will also be in the show notes. 
and I will see you back here next week and I hope that you have a great weekend and I will remind you to be kind to yourself and to just think about being a little bit better each day even if it's as small as one percent can make a change a big change over time so thanks again for listening I will see you guys back here next week